This is Bran. I want to thank everyone for listening to episode one. Thank you for sharing, rating, and reviewing. I'm trying to do every episode as close to real time as possible. I'm only just a few episodes ahead of you, the listener. That means my research and interviews are only just a few steps ahead of what you're listening to right now. With that being said, let's dive right in. You are listening to the Moonshine, Murder, and Mayhem podcast. Episode 2, The Death Code. The year is 1937. In the Nashville, Tennessean newspaper, Slim's obituary reads, Cab operator dies, McMinnville, Tennessee, September 19th. Otis Slim Merritt, 34, died at his residence four miles from McMinnville on the Smithville Road at three o'clock this morning. He had been ill for several months. He had been ill for several months? This doesn't add up. John High, the funeral director of High's Funeral Home, told my grandfather that the obituary didn't match up. This is the story my grandmother tells. Ill for several months? Mm, it's not making any sense. In order to review the circumstances of his death more critically, I decided to go to the logical starting piece of this puzzle. I wanted facts that I could get my hands on. Actual documentation that I could scour over and investigate. I needed to compare and contrast the word of mouth with physical documentation. Because we've all learned at some point to only rely so much on word of mouth. So what do I do with a story that hinges wholeheartedly on word of mouth? The human memory is a complicated and interesting thing. Article in Association for Psychological Science. Memory doesn't record our experiences like a video camera. It creates stories based on those experiences. The stories are sometimes uncannily accurate, sometimes completely fictional, and often a mixture of the two. And they can change to suit the situation. Eyewitness testimony is a potent form of evidence for convicting the accused, but it is subject to unconscious memory distortions and biases even among the most confident of witnesses. So memory can be remarkably accurate or remarkably inaccurate. Without objective evidence, the two are indistinguishable. A Google search sent me to findagrave.com where an entry was posted with a picture of Slim's grave. I looked up who posted it and found them on Facebook. It happened to be a distant relative I learned who quickly sent me a copy of his death certificate that she'd found online through to Ancestries.com. What I found within the death certificate really surprised me. In an article in The Guardian, How to Read a Death Certificate. Death certificates are the most undervalued family research resource. They do have less information than a birth or marriage certificate, but they still provide valuable links with other resources such as wills, inquests, newspaper reports, burial, and cemetery records. 
Here are some facts and figures and information listed within the certificate of death. Place of death, Warren County, 1st Civil District, full name Otis Merritt. Sex male, color white, married, husband of Lillian Talley, date of birth, June 26, 1903, age, years 34, months 2, days 23. His trade or profession is a taxi proprietor, birthplace Tennessee, father Oscar Peyton Merritt, mother Etta Fusen, informant Miserous Otis Merritt, burial Mount Zion Cemetery, undertaker High's Funeral Home. This is filed September 20th, 1937. This is in the Medical Certificate of Death section. Date of death, September 19th, 1937. I hereby certify that I attended the deceased from September 17th, 1937 to September 19th, 1937. The principal cause of death and related causes of importance in order of onset were as follows. Cancer of liver. This also contains a code of 46E. This is signed off by L.C. Cantrell, McMinnville, Tennessee. Cancer of liver, 46E. What is this code? I had to do some research to figure out exactly what this was. The International List of Causes of Death, Revision 5, 1938, ICD codes provided by Wolfbane.com, 46E, Cancer of the Liver. Initially, I was thinking that this code was going to tell me something more, something I was hoping for, that it was going to be a clue that cancer of liver wasn't the only possible cause of death. Maybe just maybe the physician was going to slip secret information to me from the past. Unfortunately, this turned up nothing. It just reiterated what was listed on the death certificate. According to the CDC's Physician's Handbook on Medical Certification of Death, Doubt and Cause of Death. In cases of doubt, it may be necessary to use qualifying phrases in either part one or part two to reflect uncertainty as to which conditions led to death. In cases where the certifier is unable to establish a cause of death based upon reasonable medical certainty, he or she should enter unknown in the cause of death section. However, this should be shown only after all efforts have been made to determine the cause of death. An autopsy should be performed if possible. I told myself I had to go to the source of the story. I needed to go to the beginning of this story where John High told my grandfather about how his father was murdered. It all started right here. John High is the quintessential piece to this story. He was the originator of this story. It's since been passed down generation to generation to me. We are here with Cody Prince, 
um, of Highs Funeral Home. What is your actual title here at, at Highs? I'm a funeral director and embalmer. So hold on a second. Right before this interview started, something happened. I wanted to see the ledger that John High kept for funeral records. I asked Cody if he could go grab them. There's something mystifying about seeing artifacts of your family history. When Cody originally sent me pictures of the ledger, it contained the pricing of Slim's funeral. I admit I got emotional as I began to read. That lump formed in my throat. My eyes got watery because it made everything real. I could read the emotion written in that ledger for a mourning family with three young boys who had just lost their father just lost their sole provider of a home who were living in the midst of the Great Depression. What would they do? What was the next for his widow and children? How would they survive? All of these emotions came back to me as I sat waiting at the dinner table upstairs of the funeral home, which is also Cody's home. Let that sink in. Slim was put to rest here. My grandmother got married here, and now Cody lives here in the upstairs parlor. But living here in this feudal home is not as scary as you think. Cody has kept a lot of the original decor. It feels a bit like stepping back in time. There's actually a visitation occurring while this interview is taking place. Cody walks back into the room. He says, you're not going to believe what I found. While looking for Slim's records, he pulled out a few ledgers and out of an entirely different section of records, my great-grandfather's death certificate slips out and falls to the floor. I didn't really comprehend the astonishing incident of this situation when it happened in the moment. What were the chances of this happening while I was there? He stores the death certificate in an entirely different area in the office. But the day, the time, and the moment that I'm there, my great-grandfather's death certificate just appears out of thin air. This wouldn't be the only coincidence to happen during this project, but more on that later. For now, let's get back to Cody. Yes, yeah, so this, is, this is an original that was filled out at the time of death. Yeah, this is two different handwritings. Is that something that would be common, or? Well, for this time period, I don't know. Uh, in some ways, the one that you have has a lot more information than the one that we have in our files. Right. But the dates are the same. The cause of death on yours is listed. It's not listed on here. I don't know, this is kind of strange. That's what I thought. Which, uh, which I haven't really studied the history on death certificates during that time period, but uh, if I had to imagine, I'd say that probably a few different certificates would be filled out by a few different people in a time where you couldn't easily get them back and forth between a doctor and the funeral home, especially if they weren't in the same town. Right. Um, but then again, I don't know. I, I would imagine that they would be just one death certificate and copies made of it, but this is 
kind of strange because it's quite obvious that two different people wrote these things out. It's two different handwriting styles. Most definitely. At this time, which of course, you know, fax machines weren't around and everything had to get there by post. So uh, it could be that the funeral home filled one out and that a doctor filled another one out that uh, pronounced the death. So that is a possibility. I do find it interesting if John High was the one that would have filled the death certificate that you have, doesn't have the cause of death on it. That just makes my, makes me question things a little bit. It is peculiar. Of course, trying to look over this information, which back in those days, they didn't really keep exact records. They left a lot of stuff blank. Right. It doesn't even say on here who filled out the death certificate. And yours up top says Dr. Cantrell. We find that a lot of stuff is just plain missing. Mm. So, of course, like this one, uh, right next to your grandfather's record, it's completely blank with the exception where it says $58 at the bottom. Yeah, I don't even know where I would go to, because I, I was hoping that, you know, you said um, that, I guess nowadays would, if, if a body arrived here and you would fill out some type of, um, you know, like what embalming uh, form or something like, would there be any more records than just, you know, kind of what we have here well, in today's standards or? Uh, some places will fill out an embalming report. Um, sometimes those aren't kept with the files. It, it really depends on the location. Uh, not everywhere is required to. It's really state by state um, issue there. But what we do is we gather all the information from the family. We fill out a death certificate. We send it to the state, make sure everything matches up with Social Security. Mm -hmm. The state verifies it and sends it back to us. Okay. So uh, we do have copies of all the death certificates on file. However, during this time, things were a little more lenient than what they are today. Of course, yeah. So things would be left blank or... The blog on Vital Check titled, What Issues May Happen With a Death Certificate? The truth about a death certificate is that they are not an exact science and they may not contain the same amount of detail or information as other vital records. Doctors may refuse to sign a death certificate when they're unsure of the cause of death or they're suspicious of the cause of death. However, there are laws that prevent them from delaying a finalized death certificate without good reason. If you run into this issue with a loved one's death certificate, you must look up your state's laws on finalizing death certificates. Many states have a 10-day limit on how long a death certificate can go unsigned. The wrong cause of death may appear on a death certificate when it is unknown or could have been the result of more than one health issue. It is interesting though that uh, the story handed down from your family says that Mr. High said he was shot. Did he say he was shot or he was killed? That's what we were told, that he was shot. 
Yeah, that is interesting. There's, on our handwritten copy that we have, there is no cause of death written down anywhere. I find it interesting that they, that he puts the amount of, would you mind reading the, if, if you can make that out, that's, it's pretty much it just looks the like, cost. I do believe embalming was $20, a casket was 195 a vault was 100 a suit, $27.50, and hose, which would be socks, is 50 cents. And it looks like maybe under clothing, underwear, one dollar. Comes up to two forty-four. And then this I cannot read, but it's twenty-five dollars, which brought the total to two sixty-nine. And then for some reason they've changed that to three sixty-nine. But it doesn't give any other indication unless this other record we have does. Okay, so on this other record we have embalming is twenty dollars, a casket is one ninety-five, a vault is one hundred, a burial garment is twenty-seven fifty, hose is fifty cents, underwear is a dollar. A tie is a dollar, and flowers are twenty-five dollars, which he has totaled up here is three seventy. So that looks about right. It goes to show you the cost difference between nineteen thirty-seven and today. Yeah, standard funeral yeah. is about eight thousand dollars now. Yeah. Between the two, the information that is there is identical between the two of them. Right. It's just uh, some things are left off on one while present on the other. That is interesting. Yeah. Uh, all these coincidences after his death. It, it does lead you, I'd have to say, that something else was going on, that the family tried to keep quiet. It was There's a little bit of speculation, you know, Around this area, you know, a lot of folks were known for running moonshine. Well, that that he was he was not manufacturing it, but he was transporting it. Okay. Under the um, under the guise of uh, taxi proprietor is what it says. Yes. And, and on the death certificate, and um, so. Well, that's pretty interesting. I would I would definitely say that uh, something. He ran afoul of somebody somewhere. That'll be an interesting story. Was John High trying to tell me something? The day I show up, my great-grandfather's death certificate appears out of nowhere. The death certificate falls out between two ledger books. Cody doesn't keep the death certificates with the ledger books. Plus, the biggest question is, why did John High omit the cause of death and replace it with the cost of the funeral? Number one, I feel like I'm being led by more than just my own intuition and curiosity. All this that has happened at the funeral home is bigger than I can imagine. Here's what's coming up next week on the Moonshine Murder and Mayhem podcast. One of the Allisons men come to get my daddy, Uncle Bud, and Uncle Sonny and take them home with them. 
and Daddy says, I remember Pa standing out by either that pear tree or the ash tree that's right there in front of the office, and he had his double barrel shotgun, and he told Mr. Allison not to step onto the property. Thank you for listening to the Moonshine Murder and Mayhem Podcast. If you have any information, please contact us at moonshinemurderandmayhem at gmail.com or message us on the Facebook group.